The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 197. Japan has over 70 flavors of Fanta, including the Mystery Fruit, Genius Energy, and the Hip Hop Flavor. They've also got a sports drink called Pokari Sweat and a soda called Cow Piss. Today's show is sponsored by our good friends over at Tortuga Backpacks, and I'm sad to say that my Tortuga Backpack has never been to Japan. That's because I got my Tortuga Backpack two years ago, and I haven't been back to Japan yet, but that is something that has to happen soon. But it has been with me all around the rest of the world for the last two years. So if you're looking for the best travel backpack, the one that I use all over the world, head to tortugabackpacks.com. Check out the offerings they have there. They have a Tortuga regular backpack, they have a Tortuga Air, and they also have a Tortuga day pack. So you can see all that at tortugabackpacks.com. And of course, don't forget, use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, because that will get you 10% off your entire order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is Heza Sherry, my wife and constant travel companion. (laughs) Hey, everyone. That was an unexpected introduction. Hi, Heza. (laughs) Hey, Toravi Sue. So we are talking in our Japanese names for this podcast because amazingly enough, we are 198 episodes in and we have never recorded a podcast about a place that we lived in longer than anywhere else in the world, except for our homes that we lived in growing up. And that is Japan. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to start this podcast and kind of relive some of those memories. And actually, I forgot to tell you, I was on Facebook earlier and it showed me like the past posts on this same day. And there were pictures of us at the festival in Tenryu. Oh, yeah. We had some awesome times in Japan. We lived there for two whole years and a lot of EPOP listeners and readers have asked us questions about Japan. And for whatever reason, we just never got around to recording a podcast. It's been on the list of podcasts that we want to record for, I I don't know, since the beginning of time, since episode (laughs) like number two. But we've never gotten around to it. I'm not exactly sure why. But today, what we want to do is we want to give you some background on teaching English in Japan, because that's a question that we get asked a lot. And that's what we did to support ourselves while in Japan. I want to set the scene real quick, though, because... Last podcast that we released, 
we did from the Grand Canyon. We did an epic podcast from the Grand Canyon. Yeah, that was so amazing. I'm still thinking about it. And so we decided that, you know, we can do this from anywhere. You know, it's location independence. And that doesn't always just mean these crazy cool places like the Grand Canyon, although hopefully more often than not. So actually today we have taken our recording studio down from our regular main office in our house and we are sitting on our front porch because it's a gorgeous Early November day. Yeah, like there are literally leaves falling from the trees. It's very idyllic here in this fall weather. It's like about 70 degrees today. So yeah, it's a nice day to be in Philadelphia. It is a perfect day. I'm feeling really happy about today. Like today is the day that I dream of when I think about location independence. A lot of times it's like, oh, sitting on the beach in Thailand and things like that, which are also really cool. But today we're at our own home in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, But, you know, we woke up, we got work done, and now in the middle of the day, we're recording a podcast, which also classifies as quote-unquote work. But fun. (laughs) But fun, and we're getting to be outside, and we're getting to do something that we love, and it's just a really awesome day. So location independence doesn't have to mean that you're in some exotic location. Sometimes that it means that you're just doing what you want when you want, even if that means being at home, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. We get to do what we love every day. So we, what we're going to do in today's podcast is we're going to answer some of the most commonly asked questions about teaching in Japan. Then we're going to tell you about our specific experience, the, you know, the real life nitty gritty reality of what it was like day to day and, and kind of everything that we went through. And we're also going to give you some of the options of how you can teach in Japan and the pros and cons of each different thing, because we actually did three different we went through three different types of teaching things, like three different companies and had three different experiences. Heather had two of them and I, I did one. So there are some some options and some of those are good and some of those are bad. Um, the pros and cons for each, I guess that's what pros and cons mean. So I don't have to explain <laughs> that to you guys. And we are going to be talking specifically about Japan, but a lot of this information you can take and will be relevant for teaching English anywhere. So we get that question a lot of just about teaching English in general. So this is going to be Japan specific, but a lot of the general generalities we're going to talk to can be used, you know, whether you want to teach in Europe, whether you want to teach in Korea, whether you want to teach in China, all that kind of stuff. So people can take this right at and put it towards, you know, if they really just want to teach in France, they don't care about Japan. You could still listen to this and gain a lot of knowledge. Right. And it is different because we're talking just about teaching English as a second language, whereas we know other people who are actually teachers and they're teaching a subject in another country. So that's not what this podcast is about. Right. And and again, you could take some of what we're talking and use that as well. But yes, it's not being you know, a certified teacher and teaching in like a high school, uh, international school. Yeah, like like teaching math or history or something. Right. So, and that actually brings us, so we're going to jump into the commonly asked questions. And what's really funny is our neighbors keep driving by in cars and people are walking by, probably wondering what we're doing. Maybe they'll become fans of the podcast if they (laughs) like what they hear. But the commonly asked questions, the first main one that we usually get is, do you need to be certified to teach English in Japan? So the answer to that question is no, you do not need to be a certified teacher. You do, however, need a bachelor's degree. And that can be in any subject matter. As long as you have a bachelor's degree from a university, you're good to go. Yeah, neuroscience, it could be basket weaving. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is, but you need a bachelor's Basket degree. weaving? Can you get a, a, ma- a no, bachelor's? That was a Boy Scout merit badge. <laughs> that was easy. So maybe there's, a, maybe there's a college degree in that somewhere. But you don't have to be certified. You also don't have to have an ESL certification. So you don't have to have a TEFL certification, which is teaching English in foreign language or ESL. You don't need that. It, it would help. And if you have it, you're certainly not excluded from doing it, but you don't need that kind of stuff. Another question is, do you have to speak Japanese to teach English in Japan? So 
our experience Nigh. in Japan <laughs> is that they actually preferred we didn't speak it. Now, they didn't dissuade us from learning the language. Of course, like if you know Japanese, that's great. It'll help your everyday life be very easy, a lot easier than not knowing. Compared to what we had, which we'll talk about. Yeah, but it's not a requirement because actually they want you to speak mostly English or all English when you're giving these English lessons. So we can talk more about that, um, like the strategies of how we taught English without speaking any Japanese. But um, no, you don't need to speak Japanese. Right. We knew none. when we The, the one Japanese word that I knew when I went over was arigato. And that Me meant too. thank you. And that was from the movie <laughs> or from the music video or whatever. It was domo arigato, Mr. Robato, as right. probably everyone knows. So as long as you know arigato, you're good to go. Can you do it if you have no teaching experience? We've kind of touched on this. We said you don't have to be certified, but you also don't need teaching experience. In fact, most of the people that we met that were teaching English in Japan were not teachers in a former, you know, in a former life. Like we were, we came from teaching backgrounds, but most people were not. Yes, that's true. Um, do I get to pick where I go? So in the program that Travis applied to, the JET program, the Japanese Exchange. Japanese English teacher. I don't know. It's uh, JET. J-E-T. J-E-T. It J-E-T. can mean a lot of things. With that particular program, you were allowed to choose your top three places that you would want to live in in Japan. And you just chose prefectures, which are in essence states. So they have 47 prefectures, I believe. So in essence saying like, I would like to be in Florida, um, Oregon or Texas. Right. And so, <laughs> you usually didn't get any of no, those three. We didn't get put in any of the three that we chose. So, I mean, you can put your preferences, but you're not guaranteed to get any of them. Right. And then in the program that Heather did, uh, and we'll go into the differences between these, but Interact is um, not the JET program is through the Japanese government. Interact is a, a private, private company. company. And that you you have more choice because you, you can actually apply to certain prefectures, branches of that. So overall, do you get to pick where you go? It depends what program that you use. And again, we'll get into the pros and cons more on that when we talk about that. Where should I go? So if someone gets to choose where they go or has a preference, we usually get asked, like, where should I go in Japan? That's a tough one, right? Well, yeah, that's based on personal preference. You know, if you want to be in the countryside, it's going to be very isolating, but it's very peaceful. You know, you want to be in a city. There's a lot of people. You kind of have these in-between places, like where we live was kind of in-between. It wasn't in the country, but it wasn't in a huge city either. We were in a suburb. suburban, yeah. So you have like the three choices. I really liked where we lived a lot because you could easily be in a city of a million people. Or if you took a twenty-minute, if you train took a twenty-minute yep. train ride, and you could be in Tokyo with like how many forty yeah, million people? Everyone in the um, world, thirty-four million, I think it was when we lived there, and you could be there in two hours if right. you took the bullet train, right. hour and a half, and then. And then, uh, sorry, I cut you off, but I thought you were going to say... And probably, then you could be in the mountains right. in 20 minutes. Right. So, and like, in very Inaka, which means, like, rural. That's the Japanese yeah, word we're gonna for... Yeah, we're going to throw some Japanese... <laughs> I'm sure some Japanese terms are going to come out, which is interesting, because sometimes stuff doesn't exactly translate. So, Inaka, it does translate to rural area, but it's a... It, yeah, it, it's In ro- Japan, it means it's rural. usually in the mountains, because all of, like, the flat areas are basically populated, and the mountains aren't as populated. Right. So you kind of, when you hear the word Inaka, you kind of like can draw up this image of 
the Japanese Alps a little bit. You guys but. are going to learn a little Japanese if you don't know it already. If you do, <laughs> if um, I can remember, <laughs> yeah. And if you do, we're don't don't tell on us because our Japanese pronunciation is pretty awful. So if you do, just um, pretend that it's decent. So where should you go? We'll touch a little bit about that. Like we'll talk about our situation, but it, it really is personal preference. We really like the suburban areas because you had all the convenience of a city, but you weren't hemmed in like you would be in Tokyo. But some people really really want to be in Tokyo. Me, yeah, I or, would never want to live. There. You know, Osaka. Or, I mean, Kyoto would have been an awesome place. To right. Live. There are Japanese so, cities that we would prefer maybe a little more. Yeah. And the last is how do I apply or how, you know, people ask, how do I apply? We're going to touch on this question a little more. Also, when we talk about the three distinct teaching situations that we found ourselves in. So hold on to that um, for a little bit. We will touch on that. But right now, what I want to do is talk about our experience, like, you know, what it was like and what we did. So I guess we'll just start from the beginning of how it even came about that we ended up teaching in Japan. Right. So I'm sure that most of you have heard the evolution of our travel life where, you know, we both wanted to travel a lot. Trav worked in Switzerland for four months. And when he came back from that internship, he was like, we've got to move somewhere. We've got to move to the second most expensive place in the world, Japan, (laughs) Japan. after being in Switzerland. I didn't Um, say that. That just happened. No, that just happened to be the case. But and we didn't really. It was a bit odd. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of desire to move to Japan. Not that there's anything wrong with Japan, but we don't speak Japanese. We don't read comics books we don't watch anime movies or any of this stuff that's kind of like a japanophile would would do <laughs> yeah we had no experience with japan. video games yeah. that was the other thing video we don't even play video games one. we had no experience with japan really as a culture kind of and and again to us like i, I tell people this and this is truthful this is how naive i was I could never remember if Tokyo was in Japan. This is embarrassing. Or China. Like, I was always got confused between <laughs> Beijing and Tokyo. I'm like, wait, which is which? So I really didn't know much about Japan. I also didn't know much about Asia in general. So for us, it wasn't about going to Japan. It was about going for an adventure. And so we started applying for a bunch of different places to teach English. And we thought that we would end up going you know, our first choice was going somewhere in Europe. We're like, oh, yeah. wouldn't it be cool to teach English in Italy or right. France or Spain? Like, I think a lot of people who are sure. from the East Coast of the U.S. because that's what you're kind of used to. And and it's close. And Right. You so know, why did we end up in Japan? Well, because to teach English in Europe, they don't really love Americans doing that so much. They want to keep, you know, if someone's going to be teaching English in Europe, they would kind of rather it be a European person. Right. Or, or um, someone ha- even have an a, Aussie, like yeah, from the Commonwealth country. Like a Commonwealth country of England or if you have an EU passport or something like that. So it was very difficult to find jobs there. Now you can, we did apply also for some actual teaching like history jobs to be history teachers. You applied for some in Switzerland, but again, that is something more you could do if you want to teach an actual thing at an international school, but to teach ESL, wasn't yeah, really a little hard. Yeah. We found some gigs that we got offers at, but it's low paying for the yes, most part. That's true too. And it's also usually at private schools. So you're never sure how reputable they are. You don't know if you're gonna you know, there was some in Croatia that, that and Czech Republic that looked interesting, but you're never sure if you get over there, you know, if the school's gonna close in a couple months and then you know you're gonna have to go back and if you're gonna have a job. So Well, and that can be the case in Asia too, which is why we ended up doing the program that we did. Right, which is why we went through the JET program and I had a buddy, um, Nick who's been on this podcast a few times, giving me his favorite books and also talking about life as a U.S. diplomat. And um, he had taught English in Japan for one year. And like us, he wasn't really like he didn't love 
Japan. He didn't want to go to Japan just for being Japan. He just wanted the experience. And uh, he told us, he's like, listen, there's a program called the JET program, which is through the Japanese government. So I actually was employed by the Japanese government, which makes it very stable, which makes the pay very good um, relative to other situations. And they hook you up with housing and all things like that. So we applied, but the process was very lengthy. Yeah, you applied in, when was it? You had to get your application in by, I think, the beginning of November. And then you waited until January, and they told you whether you had an interview or not. And if you had an interview, then you had to go interview in, you know, there's like six places around the U.S. You can interview New York, Washington, you know, stuff like that. You go to the closest place. I went up to New York and I interviewed in February. And then we didn't hear if we got in, if I got in until May, like late April, early May. And then we ended up leaving end of July. So from when you actually apply in the beginning of November to when you actually go at the end of July, I mean, you're talking a long time there. So it's not something that you can just decide on a whim. No, especially not with that particular program. Now, you can arrive in some of these countries on a tourist visa and apply to some of the other programs like on the ground while you're there. That's definitely a possibility. And then get, you know, a visa through that company if you get a job. So you can do it that way, but it's not as stable and secure. And you probably won't make as much money if you do it through like the Japanese government. Right. And so I guess I guess we could just throw in the programs now because as we talk about our experience, it might make more sense. So I went through a program called the JET program. And the JET program you know, started, I believe, in the 70s. And it was to get native English speakers over to, to and also to spread the culture because Japan had been a closed country for so long to spread the culture. So if you want to apply through the JET program, you have to be a native English speaker from, from a country that you know, speaks English. So we're talking Australia, Canada, New Zealand, Ireland, America, South Africa, um, South Africa, Singapore. So those are kind of the big ones that we always see. So you can apply if you're a native English speaker from those countries. You also have to have a college degree. Again, it can be in anything. And the process is very lengthy. You have to apply by the beginning of November. So we actually probably should have recorded this a little while ago because if anyone's <laughs> interested, sorry, I think you missed the deadline. Maybe not. Check it. We'll check it for you too when um, when we get offline here. You have to apply in the beginning of November, but it takes until like the next July to go through it. So that's kind of the JET program. And the pros of the JET program are the fact that... Well, it's very stable. The salary is pretty good. It's good, especially if you're in your 20s. Let's just say that. I mean, it's not like you make a ton. If you've been teaching for like 10 years in the US and then you're going to go, you're probably going to be making less. But it's good, you know, for a job a couple years out of college, right out of college. And they hook you up with housing. They hook you up with housing. They give you like a support system with, you know, you go to conferences, you meet other teachers. Yeah, and there's a big community. Like every year, I believe there's 5,000 jets coming from around the world, spreading out all over Japan. But it's, there's a big group of people going who are in your same situation. So those are kind of the pros of the jet program. The cons are the fact that it takes very long for the process to actually happen. You know, you have to apply by November and you don't even go to July. So if you're itching to go, and eh, not really for you. It's also pretty difficult to get in. Like it's a pretty rigorous process. So... 
Um, I always tell people if you apply for Jet and and you don't get an interview, you know, get past that first stage, that's fine. Then you can go with one of these other programs. Um, don't think like that's your only option. And the other con is you you have no real say over where you want to go. Like I said, we picked three areas. One of them was really really rural that we thought, oh, we'll probably get placed here, and we didn't get placed there, thankfully. But you don't really have any say over where you go. And we should mention too that it's a it's a one year contract, mm-hmm. and you can re up about halfway through your first year to say you want to do a second year and and so on and so forth up until five years, but you can only be in the jet program for five years and then you, you can't do it anymore. So it is, I mean, that's, that's pretty long, but it is limited to, to five years. Right. Well, once you're in Japan, you can realize that there are lots of other opportunities to teach as well, because when we went to Japan, Travis had the job with the jet program that was starting in August and I came over in mid August and I didn't have a job yet. So I actually found a job while living in Japan. Now, and of this course, is option number two. This then. is option number two. So when I went, you can go on a tourist visa, but I was on a resident visa because I was a dependent of Travis's visa because we were married. But you could go just with a tourist visa and do some research and and apply for jobs there. And then they'll sponsor, those companies will sponsor your visa. So I worked with, the first company is Berlitz, which is a huge international teaching company. They All over the world. I mean, you might have even seen, we see them in like, we go through random countries like Croatia and there'll be a Berlitz Learning Center, you know, just to learn English right. in Croatia or So it's a huge international company and they have a lot of locations. A cat We have just a cat <laughs> coming across our porch. A cat has now joined the podcast. We don't have a cat. It's not ours. Um, anyway, sorry, that was distracting. Berlitz, I applied to Berlitz and I got the job teaching there. But the cons of this job was that it was based on a class schedule that was kind of bizarre. So I was working nights a lot. I was, you know, I would have a, a two classes and then a break and then I'd have three more classes. It was... It wasn't my favorite job, but it is a good job. And they did give me a lot of training in order to teach lessons just in English, like how you convey what you want to teach through hand gestures and different strategies. And Berlitz was a lot of tutoring as opposed to, I guess I should mention that what I did with the JET program, what 95% of people who are in the JET program do, you're either placed in elementary or middle or high school. So you're working in that school during the school day. It's like as if you're a normal teacher, you know, you go in, it's like start to 8.15, it ends at four and what have you. Whereas Heather with Berlitz was teaching a lot at night and on the weekends because it was a lot of tutoring for people who wanted more English instruction. So a lot of times that was kids who had gone to school and got their English at school, but then wanted, you know, higher level English training so they could get really good at English or sometimes business people and things like right. that. Right. So I would teach a variety of lessons every day. And then my second job, because I... So that was, that's option three, right? Or option, option two, two is like you can show up and you can... It, believe it or not, this is pretty easy to do. You can show up in Japan and you can get a job. Like like Heather said, you come on a tourist visa or a dependent visa if your spouse is there. And you can show up and you can get a job at these like learning centers, tutoring centers. And I'm telling you, it's Hath, pretty easy. Hath got her job within basically a day and a half of looking because they they need native English speakers. And as long as you have like a college degree and, and you know, of course, if you have a teaching background, it helps, but not necessary. You got your job with Berlitz 
literally right away and right it wasn't away. a dream job no but it gets you started but it gets you started and i re- i mean the company was great to work for it was really just the scheduling for me personally didn't work out well but maybe people would like that type of schedule but for us you know you were teaching there during the day and i would have to go in a lot like at four to ten right you know so it was opposite schedules but it was a great job and they give you a lot of really exceptional training like i went to tokyo and had like three-day training in order to just learn how to teach in English better in a Japanese environment. Right. And, and they do that for any country. So let's go real quick through the pros and cons. The pros would be you can just show up. You can show and up. And get a job. You don't get have to Get a job wait. pretty easily. You get really good training. And you can make your own schedule. Yeah. And and the cons would then be the fact that you know a lot of times that schedule is going to be nights and weekends, which not a big deal if you don't have a spouse and that's kind of the schedule you, you want. The other cons, I guess, would be the fact that the pay is lower because you're not really getting full-time hours. I mean, you can work your way up to that, but it's right. more hourly based. Um, an- another con is that they don't hook you up with housing or anything like that. I mean, it's just a job. So you show up, you get the job. You have to figure out all the other stuff yourself. And I don't know, because I can't speak this, but there's not as much of a community. I mean, you did meet people who were doing the same thing with you at Berlitz, but you know, it's just a few people. It's not like this community of thousands of people who are doing no, the same thing. No, not at thing. all. Not at all. So again, it's a good option and it's definitely a good first step if you are just showing up kind of on a whim. And if you want to try it out, like if you're like, yeah. hey, I want to try out if I like teaching English in Japan, you can head over there. You can... You could hang out in Japan. We know people do this, like hang out for a month, just traveling and then say, oh, I like it. I want to stay here. And they just start teaching English to make money to supplement like actually living in Japan. Absolutely. So that's the second option. Option three. So Heth has some good experience here that (laughs) not a lot of people would have because I just went through the JET program. So option two was just showing up and working for a tutoring place like Berlitz. Option three is working with a company called Interact. So Interact, I believe, is just in Japan. I think so. And it's very similar to the JET program in in the teaching experience because you are having a more structured job. A lot of times it could be in a high school or an elementary school. In my case, it was actually at a company. So I worked for um, Corning Glass. So that's actually an American company based out of New York. And I Corning, actually New York. grew up only an hour and a half from there. So I was familiar with the company. And but a it lot was, of people probably are because right. they make the Corning Glassware. You probably they made have the that very first kitchens. light bulb. They, um, have, they make iPhone and Yeah, and they do a, a lot of the screen. Now their big products is, you know, making the screens, the Gorilla Glass and the screens for TVs and, and phones. Just but a massive international it's corporation. It's a huge international company. And I got hooked up with with Interact, it was through Interact, to this contracting job to teach business people one-on-one lessons. So I taught eight lessons a day with eight different students, and I had about 40 students a semester. So it was a very intense job. It was really fun, um, but it was it was a lot more work, I think, than other jobs. It definitely, <laughs> Travis. <laughs> <laughs> it was more work than my job. It was completely different from my job, which was interesting because yeah. we'd come home and talk about what happened that day and it was it was totally different and we'll get into our, our experiences. But for Heather, she was dealing with high level executives um, who were coming in and most of them spoke decent English, but they had it, you know, they stayed fresh because maybe they were, hadn't been in America in five months. So you have to keep your language up because they're going to all these countries and speaking in business English. Um, but you got to have like really good conversations and become friends with people because most of them, some who we still stay in contact with because their English is good and they were our age or older and they're just fun and friendly. Yeah. But it was really intense, 45 minute. Now, not all your. 
um, not all your lessons were intense. You told me some students would just come in and like, oh, you just yeah. caught up for, hey, what'd yeah. you do last weekend? Oh, did you yeah. go out to drink? Oh, yeah, the Basically, karaoke. Basically, yeah. I mean, it would be conversational. Sometimes, you know, we'd learn new different grammar tips and all sorts of things like that, listening and writing. All I mean, we, and if we're going to talk about that more later, that we did have some structured things, but I had a, quite a few students who were really just conversational and we would try to learn new vocabulary within those conversations. So that was really fun. And then I did have a couple students were very low level and those ones were sometimes challenging. And to put it in perspective, so for two years we were there and I did the JET program the full two years. You worked at Berlitz for like probably... Three months. Three, four months. Not that long. Okay, three, three months. months. <laughs> you would remember. And then you started working for Interact for the, yeah, because re- for it, the last year I got and a half. that job in the end of January. Yeah. And then you so. and you work for Interact for the last year and a half. So that's option three is Interact. Now, Heather's situation with Interact was a little different, as she mentioned. She actually went and worked at a corporation. Usually those jobs are got through like tutoring companies, mm-hmm. like kind of like option two, like we talked about. Hers happened to come through Interact. The traditional interact model, as Heather, as she mentioned, is a lot like JET, and it's mostly placed in high schools and middle schools and elementary schools, and it's the same type of thing. You're you're a teacher in a school. the The pros of doing interact as opposed to JET are uh, are few. One, again, there's not as much of a time period between when you apply and when you get in. So interact has rolling admissions. So you and and they say people only come like three times a year as opposed to jet where they only come you know once in in July. But really, I I know people have come through interact and you know they're always needing extra people. So you can kind of come any time of the year. So if you wanted to apply, say it was January, and you're like I really want to go over and I want to work in a school, you could go to interact. And you'd have a pretty good chance at getting a position into like being over there in a month or two. Uh, another benefit is you do get to kind of pick where you want to go because they have branch offices. So like there was that are interact- local to that yeah, town or to that city. town or area. So like you would apply to that one if you wanted to live in that town. And they might say, oh, well, we don't have something here. We'll ship you somewhere else. But you can at least pick and choose. So those are two big positives to interact over Jet. Then the negatives, the cons, are the fact that you probably get paid about a third less. So I remember my salary was 3,600,000 yen. Yay, millionaire. But really, that comes out to about $36,000. Whereas at Interact, I believe it was closer to like 28,000 or 30,000. And that was, that's based on a typical exchange rate. So you're getting paid about a third less. They do help hook you up with housing, but sometimes you have to pay for it. And it's not always as good as jet housing. Although um, I wouldn't really say jet housing is that great. Yeah, our housing was not spectacular. Uh, yeah. But mm. um, so those are the two <laughs> big cons. Uh, there is a big community of people with Interact, same yeah. as with Jet. So it's just private versus Japanese I do have program. to say this, though, about Interact and the salary. So Jet is the same salary for every first year teacher. Then in the second year, you get bumped up to the second year salary. And it's the same for everyone, third, fourth, fifth year. With Interact, their salary does start lower, but because I was in this contracted position, I did it for the first, I guess you could call them in some semesters. It was like three month periods and then I'd have a month off. After like my my first three months or, or something, even before I got the job maybe, I negotiated my salary. Right. So you can negotiate a little bit. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. I don't know. Yeah, it's a private but company. It's a private company. So you're not making exactly the same as somebody else. Right. Whereas the JET program, everybody in the first year is making the yeah. exact same amount. There's no negotiating. No, you're through the Japanese government. Right. It's exactly like if you're teaching in the US, like you're on a you're on a salary scale. Right. So, yeah, that's a really, really good point. Let's talk about our experience then 
And and I hope that clears up the options. And now when we talk about the experience, you'll understand it more. And that leads us into the fact that I, I got in through Jet and we got sent to a town called Hamakita, which um, if you know anything about Japan, which we didn't before we went, but it's about 30 minutes north of a, of a city called Hamamatsu, which is a, about a city of a million people, small by Japanese standards and pretty spread out. It, you know, the, A million the, people spread out throughout the suburbs. Right. You know, and so. we were in a suburban area, which is actually perfect. I mean, within a three minute bike ride, there was a 24 hour grocery store. There was all the amenities you could want. There was a gym a, right down the road. A shopping mall that had like an import store, which we would go to at at least once beans a week. and potato chips. Pita bread. Um, you know what I mean? For all those comforts of home. So it was, I, I loved where we lived. It was, it ended up being a perfect situation. And then as we mentioned, you could take the train about 20 minutes north. And that's actually where my school was. 20 minutes north. And it was the last town before you got into the Inaka, into the rural area. So it was super beautiful because you take the train up, you're, you're right on the edge of the rural area. And then if you keep going, you're into the Japanese Alps. So we really had the best of both worlds because my school was in this like idyllic mm-hmm. quaint little town and then yeah. we'd come down in the suburbs and like we had all the amenities that we could want and then 20 further south, south you're down in the city which was on the coast which was on the coast and then you can take the bullet train an hour and a half to tokyo you can take the bullet train an hour and a half to osaka so we were right in between tokyo and osaka the two biggest cities and then nagoya the third biggest city was about 30 minutes away from us as well once you got by into, the bullet train by the bullet train which, which we didn't Trev take a lot hardly ever let us take expensive. obviously but that was our our living situation and uh, we got set up with that housing through jet and um my situation and my experience is that i was the one white person in a school of 400 japanese students and about 100 japanese teachers and me and the other thing with JET is you can get put in a range of schools. So, you know, the top level high schools, these kids are going on to be big business people and international business bankers. Going to like I mean, the Ivy Leagues yeah. of Japan, which is really, there's only one, which is the Tokyo, Tokyo University. University in Tokyo. And their, their English is very high level and impeccable. And so my friends who got put in those schools, I, I like to say it, it's, not better, but it's just different because they could have really good conversations with their students because their but, students spoke really good English. Right. The issue was their students were very timid and shy and like very, very studious because, you know, they were pushed. All right, you got to learn this. You got to learn this. You know, you got to get into Tokyo University. You got to get into all these good universities and get a good job. So they were much um, less genki, which is another Japanese word. Heth, do you want to explain genki? It doesn't really translate because it's one word that if you said it in English would have to encapsulate so many um, The closest adjectives. translation is like energetic. Energetic, happy. Just like full of Funny, life. Funny, yeah, yeah, full of life. So yeah, energetic and genki would be very we similar. We use genki a lot even in America because when we don't know how to describe something, we're like, man, that person was really genki. It's just a great word to mean like they're just happy, full of life, like ready to take it on. So these Japanese students were quite timid in the high-level schools. I was not at that school. I was at the lowest level <laughs> Japanese school in our prefecture, which is our state, and was told, and this might be, you know... Uh, hearsay, but was told that it was actually the lowest level school in all of Japan. So <laughs> I, I can tell you with 100% certainty that it was the last Ringyo school. And Ringyo means forestry school. 
And what that meant was they used to have the, it was a trade school, it was a technical high school. And so kids would go on to learn a trade. And one of those trades that used to be pretty big in Japan was forestry. So they would literally go out into the forest because there's a lot of forest. it was in the forest. Yeah. And they would chop down trees and they would mill lumber and they would, you know, they would make woodworking. They would make these awesome sculptures with chainsaws. I have no idea how they did it. And that was more decorative. But we were the last. So wait, you were helping the students <laughs> learn how to woodwork, Josh? I, I, yeah, <laughs> not the best placement for me, who's the least handy human in the world. But it was really cool to watch them do it. And so it was the last forestry school in Japan. So all of these students were going into a trade. Some were going into forestry. Some were going to agriculture. A few were going into like computer graphics and stuff. But none of them. The point is, none of them needed to know how to speak English because they were going into a trade that didn't require, and their parents didn't speak it or anything like that which meant that they didn't care about English. So my students were like the bad Japanese kids, but <laughs> that just meant that they were just super excitable and crazy and they would actually like perk up in class, which was fun, but it was hard because I didn't get to speak. There were some students that tried, but I mean, the basis of a conversation would in essence be like, hey, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you, and you? I'm good. Um, do you like the sunny weather? It is sunny. And then that would be the end of the conversation. Do you like soccer? Yes, I love soccer. And that would be it. So it was tough because I loved interacting with the students, but it was very hard through language. We found out other ways to do it. I played a lot of sports with them, which is always an awesome thing if you do sports or music or art. What's really cool in Japan, and I'll let you talk in a second. I'm just kind of brain dumping all my memories. No, go for it. But what's really cool about Japan is the fact that they have all these after-school clubs. They're really big on clubs, and every kid has to be part of at least one club after school. And sports clubs meet, they're like teams they meet every day. The art clubs and stuff like that meet every day. Table tennis is pretty big. Table (laughs) tennis. I love playing with the table tennis kids. They whoop my butt. I thought I was good. I used to win like some tournaments here in the United States. That was not happening (laughs) when I was in Japan. but I play sports with them, soccer and basketball and volleyball and table tennis. And then I know a lot of people who did art and calligraphy and, and dance. And then there was a lot of people um, who, who did music clubs and, and the taiko drum clubs or band clubs. So that's a really fun way to ingrain yourself with the kids and with the community. And the teachers love it because when they see you participating, they just they would really love like they just love you interacting because it is as much about teaching and taking on their culture and teaching them your culture as it is about actually teaching language. Language, absolutely. I would agree with that. And I think that you had a lot of fun at that school because a lot of your lesson planning involved games of some sort. And, you know, so like maybe the level of education you were teaching wasn't necessarily challenging for you, but it was just fun. So that was cool. And it was hard because I knew that nothing was sticking because I'm going to say most of the kids, you know, I would say 90% of the kids, not that they didn't care. They just, it was same as like me learning Spanish in high school. I, yeah, I'd be in class and be kind of fun for that period, but that was it. And it never stuck because I knew I wasn't going to use it. It's very similar to what Americans learn in a high school language class. Right. If you, and, and I was like those kids, I didn't really care. I just learned enough to like talk to the teacher and then pass the test and that was it. And so that was tough because I really wanted them to learn and I ended up teaching my seniors the exact same lessons I was teaching the freshmen, which I had taught the seniors when they were freshmen or like juniors a year ago. So I literally used the same lessons for two years with all the age groups because that was, they just, it was like teaching them basic English over and over and over again. And again, like it was fun. So my English, my teacher told me, the very first day I got in there, and this was a bit of a shock, she said, 
you had a very low level school, which I knew going in. I didn't know the extent of it. And she said, your goal is to just make sure the kids don't hate English. And I was like, okay. And I took it like at first, like I was taken back. And then I realized, all right, this is an opportunity. So in essence, like I called it like being a clown. Like I would just get goofy <laughs> in front of them. I would play music. We listened to the Beatles or we listened to Justin Bieber they loved. And I tried to teach them through music. And so we got to do a lot of fun stuff that I wouldn't have gotten to do if I was in upper level school when it was so like by the book, they have to test into this. So that was neat, but it was a little hard because they didn't exactly speak English. So that's kind of... It, it will run the gamut if you're if you're in a if you're in a school and um some people are going to be in elementary school some people are going to be in middle school some people are going to be in high schools and you also don't really get to pick that either like I knew people who were elementary school teachers in the states and then they went over and they were put in high schools so you don't get to pick that so I guess that's kind of a con as well about the JET program right but overall you really enjoyed it and you can have lots of different experiences with that depending on your school level and location. Yeah. And so that's a little bit of what the actual teaching was like. And I should mention, too, that you're supposed to always be with a Japanese English teacher. So in my case, I had, you know, there's about 100 Japanese teachers in the school teaching all ranges of subjects. Right. And there was two English teachers and then me. And so I was always supposed to be in a class with them. So I was kind of supposed to serve as a as the native English speaker. So I was supposed to help. But because I had a teaching background, my teachers that I worked with were more than happy to kind of give me the reins and have me prepare everything. And then they would be there. And it was really nice because they would help discipline. And like if something they they would speak up in class and explain something. It was hard to understand. Um, But that was that was really nice. Some people came and if they didn't have a teaching background or they weren't as gung ho about like leading the class, they would serve as the assistant and the Japanese English teacher would teach and prepare and they would kind of be there to help. So it it can vary greatly depending on how much you want to do and how involved you get. Um, And I've heard some people be like, oh, they don't use me. And it's so I'm so bored all the time. But, you know, you have to kind of put yourself out there and take the reins, but it can vary greatly. And that depends on the teachers you're working with. I got very lucky to work with really, really nice, friendly teachers who we worked together pretty well. Awesome. Yeah. I so, think I think you enjoyed it. I, I really did. Um, at the end of two years, it was time to be done because I just, I knew I wasn't progressing and the kids weren't progressing. And that kind of got to me, you know, because you want to see yourself progress but and i was bored at times i think we should i'll talk a little bit about that and then i want you to talk about your situation hath but day to day can vary greatly as well and um there were days where i'd have like four or five classes and so i'd be teaching every day like almost constantly i go from class to class to class to class and it was it was mayhem right and mostly in japanese high schools you're and even in middle school and elementary schools you're gonna have a lot more students than you would in classes in the states so we're talking 35 to 45 students in a classroom and they're going to be in a classroom and the schools are not nearly as nice as high schools that we're used to in the States. Oh so my gosh. Yeah. There was no central heat. There's no central or heat or air conditioning in your school, in my school. So uh, they would leave the windows open in the winter to get airflow because they didn't want to get sick. But I mean, we're, in my school, we're talking it would get down to like 35 degrees Fahrenheit and the windows would be open and it would literally snow would be blowing in the windows. Okay, it didn't snow that often. But, but when it did, it felt like it could snow because yeah. it was that cold. And uh, and then in the summer was even worse because we're talking about 90, 95 degrees Fahrenheit and this will change depending where you are in Japan. But High the humidity, humidity was like 100% where we lived. 
And I would literally sweat through my clothes within five minutes of being in a classroom. And sexy. It was awful. (laughs) I felt so embarrassed every day because for whatever reason, the Japanese teachers weren't sweating. I don't know what they do. But here I am literally drenched in sweat the second I walk into a classroom. And the only place I did air conditioning was this big teacher's room because you had your desk there. And then you went to the kids classroom. And uh, and then I would go into the teacher's room. There'd be air conditioning and I'd be freezing because then all my sweat would like you know, get cold. Right. Yep. We get it. (laughs) Those were the tough situations about teaching there. Um, But yes, you have a lot of different situations and some days I would have a lot to do and other days I would have literally nothing to do, no classes. And it got pretty boring. I mean, I had the internet, thankfully, and I would sneak off to different classrooms because you're supposed to be there and be present, but I had nothing to do because all my lessons were So I'd sneak off to like different classrooms that weren't being used and I would stream like NFL games and put my headphones in. So, I'll... And it's also where you started Extra Pack of Peanuts. That is exactly true. I The last half of our second year there, so the last six months, I got really into frequent flyer miles. I'm like, I'm just going to use do something productive with my time if I'm not teaching these classes. And football season was over. Football so. season was over. And uh, so I just started writing extra pack of peanuts and that's where it came about. Yeah, so, so thank you, Japan. Thank you, Japanese school system. So it it's crazy and everyone's situation is going to be different. But you, you do work a 40-hour week. How much you're actually working and teaching varies on where you are in your week and your schedule and things like that. But yeah, you, you work a typical 40 hour week and you're expected to be in about like 8.15 and you leave around four o'clock and you know you don't work weekends and things like that. So it is kind of a traditional schedule. Right. So that's my experience in my school. I want you to talk a little bit and we touched on this about your experience you know, with a one-on-one consulting because that's a thing that a lot of people may get into as well. Right. And I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. But basically when... The situation that I was at with the Corning company, I would drive to their offices. I had my own private office, which was like my my classroom. And I had eight lessons a day with individual students. And those are always one-on-one. Always one-on-one. Always one-on-one. So basically at 9 a.m. I would have my first lesson and, you know, I'd have a break for lunch. And then I'd do the, the other, the last four of the day. So... It was really fun because when I first started, of course, like it was a lot of work trying to learn the students' names because we're having like one-on-one conversations. And if you don't know any Japanese, these names are very like difficult. Tokushima and Izakaya, or not, well, not Izakaya. Is the name, is, that's not like even the name. The that's word for a dive bar, dive bar. in Japan. So if I'm you're named to, Izakaya, that's pretty Okuyama, funny. all these names of my students, you yeah. know, it was difficult to, to learn them. Mizutani. And yeah. So anyway, that was a challenge for me in the beginning. And then preparing the lessons, you know, you have to really cater to each student. So some lessons would be very high level and other lessons would be very easy because it would be conversational and they wouldn't be, have as much structure to them. Some lessons would be very ganky and you were told to be quiet. You yep. actually a sign put on Heather's office door, please keep it down in there uh, yep. in Japanese. Because believe it or not, you know, I mostly taught, I would say 95% my students were men. I had like usually two to three female students. So if you can imagine being like an engineer and going in to a classroom with a foreign teacher, you know, who's young, <laughs> I'm not going to like 
toot my own horn, but obviously I'm a fun type of person to be around teaching. I'm blonde. They're Japanese. So right. it's a very different, unique experience <laughs> for them. They got quite yes. excited. We had a lot of fun in our classes. And so, um, but another thing that was challenging for me is that I didn't, I had to refresh like all of my grammar, you past know, participles. She was coming on telling me stuff. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, listen, it had been like almost 10, more than 10 years since I had learned all of this stuff. And I didn't study English in, in college. You know what I mean? I studied, you know, English writing classes maybe, but not like all of the grammar rules. I don't know why I say a certain thing and why we say it this way. But these students, that's how they learn. They're very intense and they want they're, they want to achieve perfection because Japanese people are very intense about speaking and speaking well. Because if they can speak well, they won't really speak. They don't try because they're they're timid. And that's, that's what I ran into in my school is that some of the kids could speak better than I... And a lot of the teachers actually could speak English better than they let on, but because they couldn't do it perfect and they knew they were speaking to a native speaker, they wouldn't try. And so you you just never had conversations. And that was the most frustrating part. But I understand it because I also was very, very hesitant to try to speak Japanese to them because I knew that I was awful at it. Right. So like I get where it's coming from, but it's frustrating too. Yeah. So basically, if you have extracurricular activities and everybody gets drunk, everybody's talking to everybody. <laughs> yeah. that And that's, that's always the best time. Um yeah, that's kind of... So your situation was way different than mine. Would you, looking back, would you go back and do it the same way? Like, did you did you like the one-on-one instruction, even though it was a lot of work and it was like, you know, you barely had a break during the day? Is that something of someone saying, ah, you know, I, that, that sounds kind of cool. Like, I know it's a lot of work. Would you recommend someone doing it that way? Absolutely, because I really enjoyed those conversations and I was working with adults, which, you know, high schoolers are a little bit more challenging to work with. Kids in elementary school are cute, you know, so you have, they have that going for them. But and Japanese I, kids are the cutest. They're so adorable. But I think I would prefer what I did to what you did because I would really go into work and I would feel like I had these good conversations with people and it was just, I don't know, it was interesting and it kept me busy. Whereas I would have been, like, I don't know if I would have wanted to go to work every day and like have to deal with this the things that you had to deal with yeah which is interesting because i think we we both didn't get the opportunity to to do the other situation like i actually never even got to go into your work and see what it's like you did get to come into my school once or, or twice to see me kind of teaching on and when my parents came and stuff, I would say that I think I would rather do what I did. But again, <laughs> I think we have these like, not romantic notions of it. I mean, both of us had hard situations, but in the end, I think we both really, I mean, you just said you would do it again in a heartbeat. I would too. I wouldn't do it again in a heartbeat. Well, not, not that you would <laughs> go back and do it again. I guess that's wrong. Yeah. You wouldn't actually physically <laughs> go back to Japan and do two years of teaching English. No, 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 but, no, no. But I enjoyed it most of the time when I was doing it. And, and you would, would you recommend someone yes, if they're absolutely. like, you know what? I think... Even even if they know like us, we didn't we knew we didn't want to teach English as a career or anything like that. This was kind of we're going to go away, and I sh- we should touch on this really quickly. Um, we knew when we went that it was probably going to be one or two years. Like we had no I uh, plans on staying in Japan, and some of our friends 
did have plans and have stayed there. Some of them didn't know. Some of and them have are still there. there. Yeah, some of them are still there. We knew we were going over for an adventure and to do this as like a break, you know, from from quote unquote real life. And then we didn't know we'd start a website and never actually go back to real life again. Um, <laughs> but the thank I- goodness. The idea is that we decided that we were going to do it, and I think people can do it. You know, we knew all types of people. I guess another question is like, you know, how old do you have to be? And so you have to be out of college and have a degree. So you have to basically, I think, be 21. 22. But you can be, as, for JET program, you can be as old as 50, I believe, to apply. And then some of these private ones, you can be any age. So it was mostly younger people like us right out of college or a couple years out of college. But there was other people who did it who were older. And um, some people who were retired and came over and did it. Some people who wanted like a career break and came over and taught for a year. So we knew we were going to do it one or two years. We end up staying two years. We we're glad we stayed two years. Well, here's the thing about that. We stayed for one year and a lot of our friends did leave after one year. But for us, it felt like here we are in this country. We've been here a year. It feels like we just settled in. You know, you get a new house, you get stuff in it, you learn your schedule and your routine and you make these friends. So it almost felt like we have to stay a second year to really feel like this was not an accomplishment, but to feel more settled in it. And that second year was so much easier than the first year. And we did so many different things in that second year that we didn't do the first year. Yeah, the first year is nuts because you're just doing everything for the first time and everything's new and it's it's crazy. And I think we're going to we're gonna actually have to record a second podcast because I, I thought we were going to kind of talk about our life and day to day. Well, like, that's almost like we could do a destination diary well, on Right. Japan. And so I think we're going to have to do a second podcast where we're actually going to do like, what's it like to live in Japan? Like I did with my brother who talked about what it was like to live right. in Africa. So I thought it would fit in here. Then eh, we just talked <laughs> Clearly <a> not. <laughs> so this will be just about kind of teaching English and, and the nitty gritty for that. We're going to, we'll do another one about what it's like to live in Japan. And then we're probably going to do a third episode about kind of like tips and tricks for English speaking travelers to Japan. I've always wanted to do this because so many people say to me like, oh, I'd love to go to Japan, but like I'm worried, which I get, you know, the language is different. The alphabet is completely different. You know, it's, it's very foreign, but we learned some really cool tips and tricks about, you know, how to basically travel around Japan as only English speakers because that's all we were. Now we knew a tiny bit of Japanese, but certainly not enough to really like even know what was going on. So right. we'll do those other episodes. Episodes, and I just want to throw that out there to anyone still listening. Like, I we will be doing them because I thought we'd get into like the life, but we didn't have time for that. So I agree with you, Hath. I would recommend it to anyone. Like, the teaching English in Japan is such a great experience. Whether you go through the JET program, which I highly recommend and had a great experience with, whether you go over and you just find a job, which is like option two, and you just figure it out, or whether you go through something like Interact that Heather did and, and recommends as well. Um, I would give it a shot because I think even if you're not excited about Japan in particular, or you haven't always wanted to go to Japan, we that's where we were and we and fell we in love with it. the country. And the people there, even though they're timid, they are the nicest people you will meet in the world. Like, I mean, I know we say that about Thailand too, but <laughs> but in Japan, it's different. In the, the people just like, they'll go above and beyond anything to help you. Like you'll walk into a Starbucks and you're lost and like eight people will try to come over and help you find your well, way. I got a great story <laughs> for the living in Japan of when I was in the grocery store. I'll, All right. To, yeah. Don't I'll ruin it now. Yeah, hold it for the next one. This is a hilarious time. story. Yeah. So if you guys are interested, we have linked everything. We will link everything up in the show notes at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. The JET program link will be in there. Interact. 
Um, Berlitz will be in there. The JET program, again, I, I would check if I could multitask, but I can't really talk and go online at the same time. But the thing is, you usually have to apply by the beginning of November. So it may still be open. So if you're listening to this and you're like, it doesn't hurt to apply because you don't ever have to take it. So if you're listening to this and you might even have the smallest bit of interest, I urge you apply, 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 wait, see if you get the interview and then decide if you want to do it. And that's what we did. We had we did not know we were going to take it when I applied in November. We were just like, ah, maybe we'll do it. And we ended up taking it. So um, teaching English in Japan, it's a great experience and it really Absolutely. changed our lives. And it's a great springboard for traveling around Japan, obviously, but also that's kind of what bit us with the Asia travel bug, and we got to go right. To I all mean, over when you Asia. can get to Thailand in five hours, yeah, five, seven, I don't know, yeah, something it's like that. that. It's not that long, but whatever. It's like so awesome to hop between all those different countries. It really is. So, guys, all that will be linked up. extrapackofpeanutscom slash pods. Of course, all the other almost two hundred now episodes we've recorded are there. They're also on iTunes, on Stitcher. I have been using Jabbercast to listen to my podcast lately. I really like that. So you check out the Jabbercast app. Um, all that is in there. Don't forget also, if you want to check out a really good travel backpack, tortugabackpacks.com. Use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters. They've sponsored today's show. And I want to give a plug for Location Indie, which is a community that Jason and I from Zero to Travel started and is really growing by leaps and bounds. It's just a really cool community. So if you're interested in the location independent lifestyle, and basically if you want to sit on a porch and record a podcast at 1 a.m. on a Wednesday, um, and you want to be able to do that as opposed to being in a cubicle or anything uh, Trav, like that. Trav, it's Tuesday. Okay, on a Tuesday. (laughs) If you don't ever want to have to care about what weekday it is and you're not living for Friday, maybe that should be our tagline, don't live for Friday. Um, Check out locationindie.com. If you hop on the email list there, you get tons of free goodies and that'll help you decide whether the community is right for you or not. And if it is, we'd love to have you. And there's an invitation to join in there. And Heather is in the location independent or location indie community. I keep trying to get her to post more in the forum. I know. Keep I, asking I haven't been in there in a while. I'm going to hop on this week. So that's locationindie.com. And lastly, if you haven't joined our email newsletter for extra pack of peanuts, remember, we are tech savvy now. All you have to do is text the word peanuts. Heth, spell it. Come on. Every time you're going to make me spell it, <laughs> P-E-A-N-U-T-S. <laughs> Text peanuts to 33444. You can do that right from your phone. If you're at the gym, if you're in the car, don't text and drive. But when you're at a stoplight or a stop sign or pull over, you can text peanuts to 33444. That will automatically enter you onto the extra pack of peanuts newsletter once you put your email address in and you will get our four video series that I just finished um, about how we get the cheapest plane tickets whenever we travel anywhere in the world. So some cool videos there for you. That's all for the announcements. Whew, Thank you a guys. lot of announcements. Yeah. That, well, there's a lot going on here. Man. I know. It's exciting stuff. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. I cannot believe it took us this long to record a uh, podcast about Japan. A lot of memories coming flooding back. So... um Thank you guys for joining us. It was fun to reminisce, wasn't it, Hat? Yeah, it was really fun. It makes me want to go back. Let's go. Let's book yeah. a ticket. Domo arigato gozaimasu. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us today on the Extra Pack of Peanuts podcast. Thank you for your support, as always. Domo arigato does not mean all that. It just means thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for making us number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. If I could say all that in Japanese, I'd be fluent. And as always, happy free travels. I'll show you-